Welcome to the Tom Castro Shooting Academy podcast. You have now entered the next level. What's up, brother? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with a brand new episode of the Tom Castro Shooting Academy Next Level podcast. I have my superstar guest, Craig McElhaney. As always, this guy's going to probably be a regular member of my uh, podcast. So I wanted to bring him on and we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, so how you been, bro? Good. I can't complain, bro. Um, training actually just, uh, <laughs> I've been uh, lack, well, lack of training, uh, lack of shooting, but I've been dry firing a lot and I'm just trying to train for Aruba. So that's like been my focus. So, yeah. So let's get into that. Well, we're going to start off right away with the Aruba trip. So, uh, I was going to go to Aruba with you, but I have a class. So let's talk about that a little bit. So Craig is, uh, what, why are you going to Aruba? I had the opportunity, um, uh, the, the gun company I shoot for, uh, Da Vinci machining, um, David Padavan, uh, gave me the opportunity to go down to Aruba and shoot a Nipsic match down there. I guess it's the Aruba Ironman competition. I never shot Epsic before. I never been out of the country shooting before. And I thought, man, this is going to be a heck of a good experience. So it's been a learning experience to this point, big time, uh, from, from weaving in and out of customs and things like that, registering firearms, ammunition, uh, through, uh, pulling up the Ipsic rule rulebook and just looking at stuff. Cause there is some differences, um, with Ipsic. I've never shot an Ipsic match. I never shot anything related to Ipsic. So, uh, <clears throat> it's been interesting. And then a lot of struggles, man, um, just with life and not being able to get out to train and still trying to find a way to still train, meaning dry fire and whatever else. So, so it's been, you know, the good thing is, is now things clear up for me and uh, I can really start hitting it hard and at least to get to some live fire matches. So work been crazy right now too, with everything coming back around. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, COVID, um, you know, in South Florida, COVID's picking up bad. So, I mean, we're, we're busy. Yeah. And, you know, and then my daughter and, you know, it, 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 it's like with everybody else too. And we all have the same issues. And so I'm, I'm trying to juggle, um, really wanting to train hard for Aruba, but you know, my priority is my family. So it's a constant, you know, a balance. So, um, how much should you do and how much, you know, how much should you not do? So, yeah. So what do you think, what do you think, uh, like, what do you think right now that you are, you've spent on Aruba, just on the Aruba trip? Like, what, what do you think the money cost is going to be by the time you're done? Like, so let, well, let's get into this. Cause I, I'm going to, we'll, we'll go back into Aruba later after you come back. Cause I, you know, obviously if, as long as COVID doesn't affect it, you're going to go. Um, what is yeah, the, that's that's the, the thing? The, man. the 22nd, right? Uh, August 22nd. Eight, um, I'm flying out the 19th and then the match I believe is uh, 21, 22, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, because I, 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 I'm almost certain that's exactly what it is. Well, obviously, you know it. That's what it is. But I know that's what it is as well because I was going to go to that match. I originally was uh, going to go with you. It was going to be me and you going to that match. And then I had a class scheduled that I couldn't – I wasn't going to reschedule, but I couldn't reschedule uh, due to everybody else's schedule over there as well. But yeah. uh, I didn't get that information. And I have had this class in Texas scheduled for probably two or three months those I think you've got it filled in. up, right? You have uh, it yeah, it's sold out. Actually, I think yeah. I actually ended up having uh, 11 or 12 guys instead of just 10. So, uh, yeah, it sold out really fast. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it was, it's, you know, considering that the ammo issue is coming around, you know, still an issue. Um, it's pretty exciting that, 
you know, I'm selling out classes. I've got another one coming up in September. Oct uh, sorry, it's October. I keep doing this. Uh, I, for some reason, I feel like I'm missing something in September. I need to fill another class in there, I guess, because I keep wanting to put that class in in September. <laughs> uh, the class is in October 2nd and 3rd. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll get into that later because I got a lot to go into that. Actually, I, we were talking a little bit earlier about some of the things we were going to talk about. And that was one of them because we got Georgia State right before that. So I want to talk a little bit about like what's going on in, in my life and shooting and all that crap. So, but with the Aruba thing, uh, what interests me the most is, and I've, I've been to Puerto Rico before, which is obviously part of the United States, but it's different. It's part of the United States and it's not right. We have all yeah. these, these similarities, mm -hmm. but not even close. Like their gun, the way they deal with firearms are completely different. Uh, their firearms have to go through. You never see your firearm until you get to the gun range. I thought that was that was an interesting experience. You you almost get a concealed license to get the gun in the country, right? Like you fill out all this paperwork, you get all this information, you send everything. They give you a license back, and I think it takes a month or something like that. It takes a little bit to get back because everything that goes through the government takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but regardless, it goes to the gun range, you get the gun, and then you go to uh, the range, pick it up there, you shoot. And I can't remember exactly, I'm almost 100% certain that the range brought the gun back to the airport. You never really had got to keep the gun with bullets or any of that with you. That, that all went to the firearms, the FFL kind of situation down there and went to the range that we went to. So that was kind of interesting when you're giving them thousands of dollars of your stuff and you're like yes I hope i get this <laughs> yeah and you're in another country that's a it's a it's a worry it's like uh you're in another country what's your recourse like right yeah uh, yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah am i gonna get my stuff back sure no yeah, yeah. we don't no, even know you here it. we've never seen it yeah we yeah. didn't know you didn't bring yeah. any guns in right yeah it's you know it's kind of crazy it's crazy because you know we to us, it's the most valuable thing that we travel with. Like, man, I can buy new clothes. I can't buy another pistol or another rifle, another yeah. red dot. And, and not just that, even if you can, it's not mine. It's not my setup. I haven't tested it. I don't, it doesn't have yeah. the rounds or I don't know if it works or something about the comfort of your own gun <laughs> setup. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, um, it's just something about that when you're shooting that changes that. So like, um, you know, flying out of the country to another country, like Puerto Rico is a protectorate or whatever. Um, like to Aruba, you have to, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It, this has been a really good education. Um, so, so, let's, so let's go, let's go through from the, the, obviously you got the call from Padavan to represent okay. Da Vinci, right? Yeah. So let's go start from start. Let's start from there. Let's let, I want to know the exact process of everything you had to go through. Okay. Dude. I'm interested. So from start to finish, um, you know, the, the, the gun company I shoot for, Dave, uh, Da Vinci Machining, uh, I, their PCCs are the best. I love them. Uh, he called me and says, hey, Mac, do you want to go to Aruba and shoot? I'm like, of course, heck yeah. Um, so he is, um, the plane ticket is covered with him. Hotel has been handled. But um, if you want to stay longer and all that, you need to make arrangements with the hotel. So we tried to extend it, you know, personally. I, I want to find my wife. And so after the match, we'd like to stay a few more days and then fly back. So just to credit, create a little vacation out of it. Um, but the, the first thing is first the tickets and all that stuff. And then uh, <laughs> you need to register for the match and then <clears throat> register for the match on practice score. The next thing is um, you got to fill out and I have the form in front of me. 
customs form 4457. You have to go to the airport. Um, and I think pretty much they're all at the airport. The customs guys bring your gun. You have to physically bring your gun and they need to inspect it. They write the serial number down. They write down what type of gun it is, everything. And what this form is, is a certificate of registration for personal effects. So what that means is to get back into the country, you need to have this form that matches the gun. Yeah. So otherwise <laughs> you're, you got a problem, yeah. you know? So they, so they, they, you need to have, you need to have that form. Now that's to get back in, to leave the country and get into Aruba. You have to register your gun with Aruba. So I have to go on their website, register my gun, serial number, firearm, all that stuff, amount of ammunition, everything else. Um, that has to be registered with them. So leaving and landing in Aruba, they need to know, all right, this is your gun. This is your serial number. This matches all that stuff. Um, you know, welcome in the country. Coming back in the country, the U.S. government's going to look at my form 4457 and say, okay, that's the right gun. That's the right serial number, all that stuff that matches, you know, you can come back in. So that, you know, um, that's just the gun, the ammo too. Um, and then, uh, oh, you have to declare how much ammo you're actually bringing, right? Like, cause I know Puerto Rico, yeah. it's the same way you had to declare, you know, how much you were bringing. I, I always yeah. bring a thousand rounds to major matches anyway. Yeah. Um, I was a little worried about that match just for, I couldn't get more ammo. They don't reload there. And if you do, you have to have a special permit. That, that, yeah. It wasn't one of those things where you were just going to walk up and go, Hey man, I need 130 power factor ammo. So I'm assuming Aruba is the same way. If you're going to get ammo there, it's probably coming factory That'd and it's going to be nothing like you're used to. Ton, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you can bring it in and I don't know, uh, you know, how strictly they're going to be with the amount. Like I put 800 rounds. Yeah. Should have put a thousand, but you know, how strict if I put a thousand, if I, if I come in with a thousand, what are they going to do? They're going to gig me. You know, so I just, yeah, I, I think that you could, if I remember correctly in Porter, because it's been two years, I think I went 2019, like right before COVID hit, it was January. I was still shooting PCC um, in, in that match. So I, I went with David and shot and did our stuff over there and, and everything. And then when we got to that match, uh, I think if I remember correctly, he told me we could have less but you can't declare less and bring more. If I remember correctly, it was some, one of those I would things. Where, that. Yeah. You yeah. could say, okay, well, I'm going to, cause it, it's kind of a guesstimate cause you don't really know sometimes. Exactly. So they're, they're kind of like, all right, cool. If you're bringing a thousand, cause obviously when you leave, whatever you declared is going to be less, but you don't have yeah. an exact. So if you say I'm going to bring a thousand rounds and then they go, okay, well you have five. They didn't ask us how much we were bringing back. Right. It was just yeah. like, all right, cool. It's in the bag. You're out of here. Like, see yeah, you yeah. later. So that that's why I think it's one of those things where they they're probably just keeping an eye on if somebody's bringing 30,000 rounds in. Yeah, that's not a recreational shooter. Exactly. <laughs> that's straight up. But, you know, they're giving that to the dealers. You know, everybody's going out yeah. there, drug dealers and all exactly. the criminals are getting that ammo. So um, but yeah, it was it's interesting how, you know, the whole the concept of that works. So go ahead, man. Um. It would be good, you know, I would love to hear what, if there's anybody out there that's, you know, that shoots a lot of these out-of-country matches, is there another streamlined way to do it? Because it, it, it hasn't been a pain. The customs guys were awesome. Like, when I show up, I brought it, and they were like, okay, cool. And then, they're, you know, they're all looking at the gun, like, oh, man, this, is bringing, this thing's awesome. And they're looking at everything. And um, Now, where did you go a better way? Custom? Where did you do the customs at? Did you have to go to the airport to do that? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. You had to make a special trip to the airport just to get your gun inspected. So yeah. it's not one of those things where you go to the airport, take your gun with you and then go. Okay. Cause that, cause in Puerto Rico, that was how it was. You, when we went to Puerto Rico, we went to the airport. They never inspected our guns at all. Like we yeah. just went through regular TSA, but again, yeah. Aruba, and Puerto Rico, the two Puerto separate Rico, United States, right? Like part yeah. of us. So it's a little bit different. Like there's some things that are, they're like, all right, cool, man. We're good with that way, but we're not good with it. Once it gets here, kind of, you know, where that that's where the changes were really It's when I was in Puerto Rico, they did it differently. You know? Yeah. I walked, when I walked in um, there, I, I asked to, I met the lady at the counter and I, I, I got a rifle. With, I, I didn't bring the gun with me. I had it in the car, you know, part smart, and smart. And then they had to call. Yeah. You never know. And then they had to, yeah. You never know. Dude. Then they called a, a customs. Uh, I think yeah. it was a captain or a major. And then um, he's like, yeah, okay, go get it. And then, um, you know, like, now no what would happen if you would have brought that in? Did, I mean, did he was like, all right, great. Just bring it in. Or like, did anybody walk yeah. from the car or they were no, just no, like, no, bring no. it in? I had it in the case and he okay, said, just don't have any ammo. I was like, Hard okay, case. Cool. No, just my case, soft case. Okay. Okay. Walked it in. Yep. They were waiting for me right there, and and they were very professional. Yeah. You know? And we walked through the back areas. They brought me to a empty area of where they bring you know whatever whatever they right. need to search and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So they opened the bag, checked everything, and and uh, it, it was nothing. They had a new guy there, and a, a a a newer customs agent. Right. So they let him fill out the form because he hadn't oh, okay. done one of these before. So. Well, that took a little longer, I'm sure. Yeah, but they they were they were really prepared. They were so, nice. They were professional. So let me ask you this: Did you check the numbers to what he wrote down to what your serial number was? Did yeah. they ask for that? I no, they had me okay. fill out the form. Okay, that, good. My crappy handwriting is on the yeah. form. Okay, they, good. So they they I actually filled it out and, okay, and all that stuff. They stamp it. They sign it. They stamp. Uh, the agent signs it. They stamp it, and then I sign it. Um, Does he double check what you wrote down to make sure there's no errors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, that's good. Well, because I mean, at the end of the day, you don't get your gun back. I'm correct. I, they're that's not going to be like, "Hey, cool." There's a three on here, and there's not a three on your gun. They don't give a shit. Yeah. You just don't get the gun, right? Well, he they was saying care. like, um, if you don't have this, he goes, technically, you got to pay tax on it or oh, something like I'm that. Sure, like, I'm oh. sure they would love to lose that piece of paper. Bunch <laughs> <laughs> of bastards. I mean, so, just the tax for everything. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they, they were they were cool. But so then the ammo is a separate story. So the ammo and the gun have to be separate, and then Padavan. He flies so much out of the country, I guess, and he does all that. So I'm gonna give him all my match ammo, and that way I don't have to pay an extra, you know, baggage thing or whatever. Yeah. I have a big Pelican case for the gun, but I can't put all the ammo in the Pelican case. So that's a separate bag, technically a check bag. So, so are you bringing an upper? Or are you bringing anything spare with you for that trip? Since you, I mean, I guess the good thing about having Padavan there though is he's bringing you a can whole grab gun. his gun. Yeah, you can grab his. Well, gun. no, he's bringing a whole extra gun. Okay, good. So you can just snatch so parts up if you need it or anything. Yeah, there's three of us shooting for Da Vinci, yeah. um, and uh, and between us three, you know, he's gonna have a whole extra gun besides all of our guns. That's good. So I think we'll, I think we'll be all right. Yeah. Ho hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah. Well, I um, mean, man, it's shooting. As much as we shoot, it's bound yeah. to happen. Yeah. So it's bound to happen. So you I know, mean, and, I, <laughs> if of all people knows that it's going to happen, my last two weeks of I know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but that was really due to poor maintenance, though. On your oh, part. you shut your mouth, <laughs> shut your whore mouth. Um, I, honestly, that's not a lie, though. Some of it is. And wait, I haven't even told. We haven't talked today about it, so I'll tell you later about it. But yeah, it's, um, no doubt, it's definitely. I, I, I don't know until I get to practice, but yeah, it it is. I mean, it's. I'm pretty pissed off, honestly, about it that it happened. So, um, 
Yeah. Uh, you'll see. Uh, you'll, we'll get into it later. But yeah, it's very frustrating. So, um, so, that, so that's how many hours do you think you have in this? Like just, just so here's and I, for anybody who's not watching the video, uh, I'll get into it. Like the, I'll, I'll just kind of tell you like this. When when you do a match like this, the match is the easiest part <laughs> because yeah. you've shot before, right? Your problem isn't shooting. Your problem is now it's like, holy shit, like I got to get paperwork. I got to make sure my gun makes it. I got to make sure my bullets make it. I have to make sure my bullets are case gauge. Everything has to be the, the non-shooting things need to be the only thing that you're thinking about. Shooting should be not something you're used to and ready to go to. Yeah. So that was the big thing when I, I learned in Puerto Rico was that, all right, I know how to shoot. I already knew how to shoot. I already knew how all my gear was going to work. The, the, the rifle was amazing. I don't have any issues with my gear. All I have to do now is just show up and perform. And I actually ended up winning that match high overall with a PCC. So like I, I beat the open guys, I beat everybody. So that was, that was my first major match that I ever won with a PCC. But, um, uh, just a just a little side story on Puerto Rico. I don't think a lot of people know that I went to Puerto Rico and shot a match, but uh, I remember Padavan uh, telling me very specifically, like, "Hey, man, you better be ready. Ipsic's so much different. It's so much harder. It's so or it's so different. It's not like USPSA. You're not used to it." And I'm like, "Dude, it's I'm not worried about the rule difference. Like, okay, so I can't run out of bounds. All right, <laughs> like it's still pulling the trigger two in alphas." Yeah, you, you can't know, take a little side picture, but yeah, after that, once, the, once the buzzer goes off, it's all it's moving and shooting. Now, I mean, yeah. you don't get the long, you know, day before walk or any of that. But I, the, honestly, man, I, I've seen a lot of Ipsic stages, and I'm, I like the style of Ipsic, Ipsic, but I haven't seen a stage really that I haven't really needed more than five minutes. I, I guess I kind of practice that even in USPSA. Uh, I really do practice the five minute thing. Like I try to get those stages down in the first couple of walkthroughs. And then I spend the majority of my five minutes standing away from everybody, memorizing that, memorizing that plan. And then if I need it, I wait till everybody kind of gets off the stage. And then I quickly run over there real quick and just make sure I lock it in. Um, You know, so I don't have any issues. So, cause, cause that's what ends up happening is you have 47 people standing in front of you on a stage and you can't get them out of your way. Like you can't really truly get that nice, real free walkthrough because you have 12 guys standing in front of you all jammed up in the same spots, you know? So sometimes it's better to get that quick walkthrough, get that, get what you want, get what your reload is, get off and then remember it, you know, that way. So that was the big thing about Ipsic is you didn't get a five minute walkthrough. You didn't get a, a day before walkthrough, right? Where no one's around. So you kind of get that five minute walkthrough before you get to the stage and that's it. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> How much of the stage could you learn from by watching other guys shoot and by watching, you know, the day before or whatever, how much. So, uh, so the thing with me is now, I don't know that that match was a little bit different. I don't know. I mean, they followed Ipsic rules and we weren't allowed to walk stages. You weren't allowed to walk on the stage, but you could see a lot of that stuff from the street right now. You can't see the angles, but if you have yeah. any kind of experience shooting, you can kind of look at a stage from a distance and go, okay, cool. It's this, 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 and this. And then, all right, man, just that target right there might not have the angle you think it is. So you just have to kind of see, but my shooting style and the way I coach it all is one piece, right? It's not really a, a section here and a section here, and a section there. It's always, I'm shooting all the time and always moving. 
So it's, it's a little bit different for me when I walk up to a stage, cause I'm always like, all right, where, where can I get rid of this stop? Right? Like where, where do I have to, why am I stopping here? Can I, is there a way I can shoot this where I don't have to stop? Uh, so that, that I just, I have a different, a little bit different style of walking stages. I don't, I don't walk up to the stage and go, okay, there's 24 rounds. I need to find 24, you know, 12 targets. I don't do that. I walk the stage. I feel the stage. I, I, it's a feeling. It's a lot of feelings for me, right? I feel it and I feel it out and I'm just like, pop, 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 pop. okay, so like, now I need to put a reload in here somewhere. <laughs> right. So like when you're shooting an Ipsic stage, like uh, your experience, is it kind of all shot one way where there's one com- complete flow yes and no so so it's it just like you, is, you it, know. no it's nowhere near as freestyle as uspsa uh, i have seen so many ipsic stages that i'm like oh man if you could just run around that that corner <laughs> like it would change so the stage by five seconds pathway kind of yes it it, it, yeah. it forces everyone to stay within the same barricade at all times there's no there's really i don't want to say there's no freestyle because there is but there's no running out of bounds. There's, and if you like, even a drop step is a great point. If you do a drop step, you cannot drop step from one fault line to another fault line, right? Like if, like, let's just, if you fall out, you got to come back in within that area. Like that same spot. I, yeah. The yeah. same spot. I'm not, I don't think it's identical. Like obviously that'd be impossible as an RO to follow, but you would definitely have to, you, you definitely have to be in that vicinity. I, and I'm sure there's a rule. I'm not too refreshed up on my rules of, of IPSC until I make the world team in a couple of years, hopefully. That's my yeah. goal. That's, I'm calling that out right now. I'm going for worlds just so everybody knows. If you don't think that the top competitors are going for worlds, you're crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I just uh, read the rule. I just read the rules. And I think if you step out of bounds, you got to step back in in the same same spot. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. step out and go somewhere else. Yeah. So I, I watched a stage yesterday. There was a stage, it was in, uh, I think it was in the Philippines. Uh, it was a Latin country. I, I might've been the Philippines. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I was watching a guy shoot it and he ran around in like a U shape, but he could have jumped across from fault line to fault line. So in that U shape, it Without was close stepping. enough. Right. Yeah. So, so my question was in that aspect, again, I, not too refreshed on the jumping out of bounds thing. Cause I'm sure that's not something they think you don't about. touch the ground, right? You're not out of bounds, right? You're, You're technically, you just went from inbounds. Okay. So, so he could have done that, but it, I don't think he saw it as an option and it, it didn't look that hard. Like it looked like it was like a pretty close jump, but I guess he didn't see it. So he, I mean, he had a five to seven yard extra run because he didn't cut that barricade. Uh, but again, yeah. it, I, I think, that's why USPSA and IPSC are so different. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I hear a lot of this. I, I, I'll just call it BS because it drives me crazy every time I hear how, oh, man, you got to be accurate in, in IPSC, uh, more accurate in IPSC than USPSA. So you're telling me in USPSA you shoot shitty Charlies because we're shooting USPSA? I mean, it's just like the most ridiculous comments people make. Accuracy always matters. We've talked about this. How many times have we talk about this with guys? Yeah. Like accuracy I mean, at speed. Constant. You know, what's that? Accuracy at speed. Yes. I mean, you, you got to have both, but you cannot, you can't just go, okay, cool, man. I'm just going to sling to a paper because it's not going to work. The only people that can get away with slinging to it paper is really major scoring factor. But what happens when you get to the top or level, the upper levels, you start getting to that grandmaster and not just grandmaster, but the top echelon of grandmaster, 
you cannot shoot Charlie's because they're going to beat you. I don't care how fast you are. Those guys are just as fast, but they're getting the alphas. So that's the thing that most people don't understand is if you actually look at the top shooters, we're the fastest shooters, but we're also the most accurate shooters, right? So, I mean, we're going the fastest and being the most accurate. So people seem to forget that sometimes because they're not looking at the shooter scores like they're just looking, oh my God, look how fast he was. Well, you got to scroll over a little bit <laughs> and look and see that he had 125 alphas and 17 Charlie, right? Like there's a, that number difference there is a big number. You got to look at that, you know? So going along with the um, Aruba thing now is um, COVID tests and um, the worry of even going. So like, um, you know, I'm like, as it is now, if the match is on, if there's no, you know, I, I have to get a COVID test within 72 hours. I have to get a negative COVID test within 72 hours of my flight. And then coming back, I have to have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of my flight. Um, the problem is I'm, I'm even worried about, you know, man, what happened when they shut, if they shut down travel, I mean, there goes the match, you know? So you're going to Texas with me then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Your wife will understand. Yeah. Right. She knows we're really, really good friends. <laughs> yeah. She loves me. Uh-huh. Uh, she, she, you know, uh, I love she, your wife. She likes you. She's yeah. awesome. She so just me, a little but... side story, just a little side story. I, uh, I got a text from Craig's wife the other day and told me that, that he's not allowed to talk to me until Monday. <laughs> so, so today he called me and I was like, is she in the bathroom? <laughs> I told, no, wait, 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 told her. I said, babe, um, uh, my time's relationship is strained. So we need to... <laughs> I told her, I said, we're on pins and needles. You better let me talk to him. And she's like, ditto. I was like, he needs me. Oh my God. Your wife doesn't understand when she married you, she married me. Don't be spitting all over the new microphone neither. Funny. Funny. Um, so that. You know, that's the word. What's the plan if Aruba fails? So the reason we're going into this, guys, is because it's just kind of give you a little insight of what you go through when you go to the next level in the sport. Because we're going to get into a little bit more of like some local um, move, um, ah, local traveling that we do. Um, and I got a couple of things that I want to really bring up that kind of change matches. Because right now we're kind of getting ready for nationals this year, which is only two months away. Yep. So we're really getting into, we've already figured out house rentals and all that stuff. So we're going to get into that just right after this, but you know what, I mean, what, what's the plan if it doesn't go, if it doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, if, if Aruba doesn't work out, uh, I'm going to shoot something that weekend and then we'll, we have plans to go to Key West for a vacation or whatever, but uh, along the lines of Aruba, um, the, the preparation going into that. So I would love to be able to say, man, you know, three months out, I'm shooting every single day, you know, uh, matches all the time. That's not the reality. I mean, for me, that's not the reality. Like I, it's, I felt like I've had a shackle on me, you know, for, you know, for weeks. So You've it's been, been busy as work. The work's been kicking your butt too, dude. It's not like, you know. yes. And family. And like, so I, I, for instance, I don't know if anybody else out there, I'm sure there's when I, when I say my troubles are not like everybody or the same as everybody else's meaning, you know, um, I'm a, my, me and my ex-wife, we share my daughter. I have her half the time. 
So I try not to shoot when I have her, you know, I want to spend time with her and the family and everything else, but there, there's got to be a happy medium, meaning at some point I'm going to have to say, all right, you know, I, I want to go shoot. So I don't want to just totally shirk my responsibilities with my family and all that, but now it's to the point where, okay. So the good thing is, is things clear up a little bit for me. So like last Thursday, we shot a match, you know, and then this Thursday I can shoot the next weekend I can shoot. So I'm able to really dedicate a bunch of local matches, at least for training. And, um, you know, it's not the best scenario, but you know, it's, it's what you got. It's what I got. I mean, exactly. a lot of people don't. So Craig drives on an average of two, two hours. hours just, we'll say an average of two hours, but it's farther than that. Usually. I think it's two uh, hours and 15 yeah. minutes to the, to the Thursday night match yeah. and then two hours and 15 minutes back. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, and so now they've uh, opened up deep 50, which is a range that is, uh, what is that Naples or is that, where is that? I can't remember exactly where it was. I mean, it's alligator alley. So down by us, yeah. it's uh, we, we haven't driven down there in a very, very, very long time. So we drove there this weekend and Craig couldn't make it. So the one time that I drive to him, his match <laughs> yeah. is only an hour. He's uh, not there. So I was in Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah so, so we went with family. <laughs> yeah. So we drove up there, me and a couple of the guys and uh, shot a match over there. And that was, they ran that match. That was a good match. Yeah, ran that really well. <clears throat> really like that. It was, uh, it was challenging. It had some good variations and stages. But we shot that match, and it, it's just like, man, three hours. And then I shot today, and I could tell physically that I had been driving for six hours yesterday, right? I mean, three hours there and three hours back, I physically was just, well, I don't even, not just physically, but mentally exhausted. Like, I was just like, I don't really want to shoot today. Uh, it's just, it's just kind of wears on you over time, you know? And so like, if you drive to a match two hours away, you have to know that physically it's not the same as if you woke up out of your hotel room and yeah, or from your house, 20 minutes away, or even, even an hour away, right? Two hours isn't terrible, but it's that two hours back after the match that kind of is just what wears you out. And then the next day trying to do it again, or trying to shoot two days on a weekend is brutal when like, um, you're traveling like that, you know? for everybody out there like you know the guys that are serious in the sport us and and um there's a lot of other guys that are serious and they want to get better and you're under this they may be under the same constraints that i am and and you know work and family you know you may not be able to get to a match but you can do something you know you can do dry fire you can you can be doing something towards that and then trying to get to a match whenever you can you know you just can't there, sit there and go well i haven't touched my gun in three months well that that's on you you know what I mean? That's, that's not on work or family. You, you, you can get something done. You know, there's a lot you can do. Um, and then when you get to the try, and then when you get to the range, you, you know, try to get to the range as much as you can, you know, that's, that's where, you know, that's where I'm at. And, and it, you can always make that excuse. Oh, I can't make it, you know? Well, you well, know, it is what it is, you know, but yeah, let's, you know, so let, that'll lead me into, uh, let's go ahead and get into uh, dry fire real quick, because it's been something that's been coming up a lot in the insider circle. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, who's just listening to this for the first time or watching it on YouTube, I have a uh, Tom Casher Shooting Academy insider circle that I do an online training course for everybody who I can't physically do a class with. 
and I do videos and breakdowns and actually have a really good break it down Friday coming up this week, bro, because I walked the stage and showed an angle on how to save a transition. So I started breaking down a stage today that we shot. Um, but the, the thing is, is people don't, when they dry fire, they are going through the motions 99% of the time. So one of the subjects that's been coming up be, with the guys that I've been training, I have a lot of local guys that I train that are in my online course. So, and I'm friends with quite a few of them, like really good friends with them, see them every week, run matches with some of these guys. The, the problem is, is they're taking their dry fire. They're, they're, they're putting in the time, they're putting in the effort. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do to get to the next level. The problem is, when they get to that match, that local match, that means nothing. I, I will repeat that again. That means nothing. They aren't using what they're doing in dry fire. And here's the issue with that. They're practicing, probably practicing the proper things, but when they come to the match, they're not focused on those things that they're trying to perfect, such as trigger prep. If you prep and prep and prep or practice transitions and pulling the trigger and moving at the same time and trying to get that down. But then when you come to the range and you go bang, bang, okay, I'm yeah. going to move now. What did the dry fire do? <laughs> the dry fire is to perfect. Yeah. Is to, to perfect things without the bang, without the, the gun moving and the loud noise and all the thought processes of running stages. But when you get on a stage, if you're truly focused on getting better, you aren't focusing on anything else but that one subject, right? So I'll give you a great example. This Because transitions are hard because transitions become a timing thing. In other words, like if you don't get used to the gun going off and then moving at the same time, it's really hard to learn transition, the right? The proper transition. Because what happens is, is you start to sweep targets, Right. And then you think, oh, I'm just shooting and I'm inaccurate. It's not because you're inaccurate. It's because your timing is off 99% yeah. of the time. But the biggest thing with, with, with the, that I can teach you, like without even having to show you, I can just explain it to you right now is on your movement. When people practice movement, all right, when they practice their movement, they practice moving and shooting, all of these things, they walk away from their dry fire session going, okay, I'm going to shoot in between steps. All right. So if anybody doesn't know, I teach people how to shoot and move fast quickly. Like when they first start the insider circle within two weeks, I can have them moving and shooting and hitting targets instantly. I can, I guarantee in two weeks of my free trial that I can get you to shave off two seconds off your stage plans. If you listen, <laughs> that's kind of the key. You have to yeah. kind of listen to what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Everybody that's in my group is phenomenal. They, I mean, Dude, we had a couple guys. You did, I'm sure you didn't see because you've been you just got back in town. Uh, uh, Brandon Raider just got done winning a class open in uh, Michigan sectional this weekend, dude. That was phenomenal. So like that is awesome. Nice. And I watched his stages. Other than some accuracy stuff that I'm not happy with, he he was kind of just pulling the trigger at point shooting a lot. But dude, what, his, what division? Uh, open a cool. His flow was exactly what I've been getting on him about. Like his movement, he just went from one target to the next target to the next target. And I was just like, there it is. Like he never stopped shooting. 
And one of his issues was he would run to a spot as fast as he could yeah, and yeah. start shooting. Instead, yeah. now he's shooting his way in, shooting his way out. I mean, it was yeah. just like a totally different shooter. And he's only been in the group for a month. I was like, holy crap, dude, like you're crushing it. So when you teach someone to move and shoot, I teach them how to move and shoot and shoot between steps and how when you take those steps, you're not taking giant steps. You're actually almost going heel to toe. Like you're like, this is the tip of your toe. And then your heel almost lands right in front of it to where they're almost touching each other and it's back and forth and it's close feet. So that way you don't have any movement with the gun. You can, I mean, the gun's frozen like you're standing still, but you're gaining distance. And, and I always tell everybody start off slow, but that's hard because everybody thinks that faster is better. It's not, it's, it's hard to explain until you see it right. Until you're in the insider circle and you see the drills that I'm creating and I'm using the timer and I'm showing you all the things that are, well, Craig, you went through this, man. I mean, when we first started shooting together, when, when I gave you a drill, you would look at me and be like, no way, right? Like no friggin' way is shooting this faster. I can stand here and hose this down and you're walking. Remember, <laughs> yeah. remember the five pieces of steel drill that yeah, I yeah, used in my yeah. class? Yes. In the first I mean, class. Yep. it's not physically, it just, <clears throat> if you, it's not supposed to be that way. Right. Yeah. How many times do I tell people draw their gun first, get the sights and then move. Right. That took a while. Yeah. But now it's second nature, but that took a while. But what <laughs> happens when you did that? Oh, no, no. It sets everything up for the rest of the, it sets up your timing for the rest of the stage. You know, and for, your accuracy. That's another thing. And this is what a lot of people forget in, about when you start to move and shoot. The accuracy never goes away. If you do things properly, if you focus you properly, on the move. Yes. Yep. I mean, the accuracy is still the same. It's just because the gun's not moving around. When your accuracy goes down, when you're moving and shooting, it's because the gun's bouncing because when you're, you're shooting landing, on the step. Yes, you're shooting on the step. As See, the Craig, foot lands, you're shooting yes. in the, the barrel almost always. Craig gone through this already, guys. We yeah. had this, I mean, this has been, so So what? It's been over a year since we've been working. I mean, you still, I still don't have it. Exactly. Still not perfect. I was going to say, yes. <laughs> you're still exactly. going to make those mistakes. And yeah. It's just part of shooting. But it's to the point now where 99% of the time I can crush it moving and shooting on, on yeah. anything. It doesn't matter if it's a no shoot, a, a 25 yard small popper. I trust that I'll hit that on the move. Now, do I always take that chance? No, but that's not the point. The point is if yeah. I need it, if I, if it required me to shoot a 25 yard popper to win nationals this year, you better damn well believe I will take 50th place going after that popper, knowing I could win first. I, if it's not first, it's not, I'm not going to win her, right? I don't care about second, third, fourth, and fifth. I want to be first. So I'm willing to take that chance if it creates me and win a national championship my first year in carry optics, right? I mean, it just, that's the mentality difference. But so the, the biggest thing about the dry fire that I'm seeing though, is that you're not, you have to use the dry fire in the match. And what I mean by that is you have to focus on the details that you were using during the dry fire session, not the match session, right? Yeah. So you take the dry fire and say, okay, I'm going to work on, I don't want to use draw because you only have one draw per stage. So if you have five stages, you can't just do a draw practice or a draw focus. You need to do a draw focus plus something else, right? So at that moment, the only thing that matters is your draw. 
right? So, okay, I'm going to draw, boom. Okay, good. That was perfect. That's exactly what I was practicing. And now, now you need to immediately switch over to, okay, I need to practice moving and shooting. I'm going to practice that today as well. So that means the only thing you're thinking about when you're moving and shooting is your footwork, not the shooting, not the aiming. You already do all of that. Now you're focusing on shooting between steps only. That's it. So when you get off of a stage and you see you had three Charlies, what most people don't, or when you get off a stage and you see you had a mic or a couple of deltas, what most people don't look at is what their time is, right? They, they don't understand that they just gained four seconds from what their original time would have been, but they don't know that because they don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Something you mentioned um, with the dry fire, like uh, optimally, you know, you don't, do a bunch of dry fire and then go to a local match optimally would be great if you could do dry fire go to your range on your own time practice the things you learned then do your local match that, that's the optimal way unfortunately that doesn't you know, doesn't happen all the time but you know i i just to me to me at this point craig i i don't think that your average person in the sport has access to a range exactly that's, that's so, so that's why that's I, I well dude i didn't have access when i started in this sport at a range i worked my tail off to gain access to a range yeah. i i volunteer a lot of my life to a range and it is very mutual yeah you, like, you run they your take own care match, of me man. and you i take care of match yes yeah. but i take care of them and they take care of me i do not get paid to volunteer for yeah. that match and to build that match. But what I do receive is access to record my videos. I have access to shoot my, to shoot my gun when I need to shoot it there within reason. I always ask permission. I never take advantage of that. I always make sure it's okay that I always make sure that no one's using a bay. I don't just go in there and go get off my bay kid. You know, it's my turn to shoot. I earned it. Nope. I, they're paying customers. Those guys are first. And one thing that gets lost in this sport without the range, there's no USPSA period yeah. range first, baby range first. If you, when you remember that as a shooter, <laughs> you, if your range decides that, Hey, these, these crappy ass USPSA guys who think they're special because they run around with guns, they don't help us. They don't do anything to take care of the range. They don't clean up after themselves. They don't dump the trash cans. You name it. The littlest, smallest things that you might not think is a big deal will go a long way with your local clubs. You don't have to be a match director, but I'll be damned if you can't help out a lot more than most people do in this sport and gain a lot of access to a lot of things at a range. So for me personally, I have been fortunate that I work and I'm a worker. So I've now had access to two different ranges to become a better shooter, but I've also volunteered a lot of my private personal life. Like I've spent a lot of time at these ranges, building matches, building stages, building walls, doing things that I got no money for, but my reward was becoming a grandmaster in a year, Be starting a shooting academy, <laughs> getting to travel the country, coaching people has been my reward from from all the hard work I put in, right? I mean, but that's the thing, Craig, you, when you brought that up, there's not a lot of people or there's not, the, the, the optimal thing would be to practice, right? After you dry fire, go practice, dry fire. But that's why I preach. And that is what I tried to explain to people. My first year, I didn't have access to a range privately. I couldn't go to a range. I didn't have access to swingers 
any of that stuff. I used my matches as practice. And I still Correct. truly believe that matches yes. can become practice if you let go of the results. So what, let me ask you this. So let's say you got someone who um, dry fires, you know, they, they don't have the ability to get to a range to practice what they learn. Where, what exactly is their focus going into the local match? Where is their focus? What should they be thinking of? What exactly, you know, the buzz was about to go off. Where should their focus be? Where should the focus be walking stages, all that stuff? What, what so, would you so for me, if so for me, you, you have to treat a match like a match, right? You should never just walk up, but this, I'm a little bit different. I, my brain separates everything. Like I'm so friggin' overly detailed. It's stupid, right? Like today is a good, I'll give you a good example. Today I walked the stage. It was, uh, I think it was our, uh, four stage. We had five stages today, our four stage. I walked this stage three or four times. And on my third time or my first and second time, I forgot a target. Right? I forgot a target. So I said, all right, you need to rewalk this and you need to walk it slower. I, I was like, I know this plan. I know it. I know it. So I had a really bad day. I was having some malfunctions with my gun, um, which ended up becoming because I'm breaking in my brand new match gun and I haven't cleaned it. I thought I was having spring issues. Yep. I had a dirty gun. So stupid on me that I went through an entire match of malfunctions because of a dirty gun. Um, and yes, I do clean my gun on a regular basis, but when I buy a new gun, I beat the crap out of it. When I first get it, I want metal on metal. I want it to open up. I want it to start working smoother and cleaner and be more, you know, I don't want a super tight gun cause I want it to work all the time. So I didn't clean the ramp and that was actually causing me to have jams. So I had jams on every stage today my fault. Uh, I go to my four stage and I walk that stage and I forget a target. I actually shoot that stage dude in 10 seconds. Cause I was pissed off. I was so mad at how everything went that day. I cleaned the barrel, the stage before, but I ended up shooting a no shoot because I didn't know if the gun was going to work. <laughs> I mean, it was so bad that I would pull the trigger and hit the back of the gun just to, to get it back in battery because the gun was so dirty, right? I oiled it that day but the ramp was really dragging the bull. I couldn't get it to, to, to cycle the gun properly. So I, I've changed springs. And so if anybody, I'm sure I'll get a lot of messages about, Hey man, you need to change your, I got it. It's, it's good. <laughs> I, I have brand new springs. I, I know just about everything about that gun that you can know. Yeah. I love that gun. So <laughs> um, it's, it's more, it was on me, right? I did, I had shot and I didn't think about this, Craig. I shot a practice of 1300 rounds last weekend on Sunday. I put more yeah. oil on it. <laughs> probably dirty i shot yeah. thursday night with you with all the jams dude there's where the jams are dumbass tom i shot 1300 rounds the day the week before i never touched it i just threw it together and ran out the door and met you on thursday so i mean there you go there's the jams right there so yeah. i go to uh the match on saturday at deep 50 i have a couple of jams but nothing major right nothing major but i cleaned it a little bit i put a i cleaned it a little bit the night before because i was like i gotta make sure there's something's wrong with this because of thursday night then I shoot Saturday. I had a couple jams, but nothing too, too bad. I didn't think about it, but that gun never jams. I've never have jams with, with the plastic fantastic. So all of a sudden it's, it's only with the new gun. Well, the new gun I'm beating up on purpose, right? I don't have a lot of rounds of it. It's a really tight gun. It needs to be worked and broken in. So there, there's your issues. Shoot today jams like crazy. Uh, clean it works every, the rest of those last two stage or three stages go to that stage walk the stage, 
forget this target two or three times when I get on the stage. So finally, the third or fourth time I walk the stage, I'm like, all right, you are going to have to remember that target there. So I focus on the target, shoot everything. But, and this is the problem. My focus today was on moving and shooting on steel or any kind of targets. And I was focusing on the footwork, not the shooting of paper, not the accuracy part, right? I was only focusing on my footwork because I have found a weakness in my stage in, in my shooting lately that I'm not focusing on the footwork. I'm thinking only of pulling the trigger, right? Like I'm super heavily target focused. Like as in what I mean by target focus as in, I'm like, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Where's the next one? I'm not like, get your footwork proper while you're moving on this piece of steel because it doesn't matter where the target is if I'm shooting five shots at it, right? So I run past the target, like completely run past the target. I crush, I mean, crush a reload. Another thing I've been struggling with lately is reloads because I'm only focusing on shooting. I'm not focusing on the details like I always do. And what I mean by struggling is I'm not getting the good reload. I'm not getting that, per, I'm, I'm feeling the mag, I'm feeling the gun hit each other. They're not lined up properly. I mean, my reload have probably lost a quarter of a second. That, most people would say that's nothing, but to me, that's like that's like a four second reload at that point, right? Because it's times twelve stages or whatever. All right. Well, they're not all bad, but you give me one or two, and those are the only two things I think. Of, <laughs> right? Like I could have twelve yeah, stages yeah. in a row, and I'll be crushing it. And if you give me stage number thirteen, and I jack that reload up, dude, all I think about is, oh man, my match is terrible. I shot a bad reload. Get. So getting like, um, like for me, for me, example, when I wanted to, was trying to learn shooting on the move, right. Um, you know, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire. So if someone's out there and they're trying to work on a skill, when they get to the match, their focus should be on what you were trying to work on, not necessarily so, the targets. So, and so yes and no. So here's what happens. All right. So here's what happens when you go to a match you a still want to win a local level no, no, even a local match it doesn't matter what it is dude if me and you are going to practice i'm kicking your ass you know that right like that's just how we are but in a good way like we're I not your ass on thursday yeah you're so lucky uh <laughs> so dude, I, I had a cramp i had a cramp my leg was cramped i think that's what it was that's why i had a jam <laughs> yes i shot like crap too so well you beat me that's all that matters so oh, yeah. but so we go into that you, you know, that's just how I am, right? Like you want to win when you go into these yeah. competitions. So I would always use my practice as in, I don't care, but I wouldn't throw the match away. If that makes sense. Like I would go to these matches and I'd be like, all right, I'm, I don't only focused on movement today. That's the goal. If I have an opportunity, even if it makes me have a bad stage plan, I'm going to move and shoot. Even if it's a no shoot target, that's 20 yards away. I'm going to move and shoot on it. Even though the chances of me being successful are bad. I'm not going to do well. I'm not going to hit. I'm exactly. not going to so get great winning. Hit. Shouldn't be your primary thing. Winning is not, that's the Correct. thing, but it should still be in there. It's because what happens is in human sure. nature, especially with alpha males, which we don't have, we have some alpha males left in this world, thank God. But we, the alpha male is, it's going to be very hard for our sensitive egos or even lack of sensitive egos, just our, in general, our competition, our, our competitive nature, you want to win at everything you do, right? That's just how it is. And some of us are more competitive than others. 
those guys struggle with letting the loss go. They, they, they think they have to win every local, uh, you know, all those things is important to them, not the get. So I guess the best way to put it is you have to have a long game goal and a short game goal, right? So your short game or your short kind of goals or small goals, little goals that you can reach on a regular basis should be your local match win. Okay. I need to beat Johnny. Johnny's the guy that's kicking my ass in C class constantly. I need to beat that guy. So I'm going to beat that guy. So you beat him. Now what? What was your goal? Okay. You beat one guy. Awesome. But did you become a better shooter? This is the Correct. part where I think were you running people, to one yes. spot and shooting yes. and winning or were yeah. you moving? And right. You know, that's the thing. Because what happens is you're going to get to a point where, and I don't want to say stopping and shooting can't win because it does, but it's going to limit you eventually because somebody like me, when I first started, a lot of people didn't move and shoot. I mean, there was not something that I saw a lot of, right? I mean, I feel like for myself, I am definitely revolutionizing and changing the state, the sport because I'm forcing other people to move and shoot that they don't want to. I've seen it all the time. I mean, I've seen people that are like, I have to go faster because that guy over there is going to go faster. Right? Like with Christian Seiler and JJ Ricaza and Max Michels and those guys walk on the stage. If you're trying to compete with them, you cannot go slow. You have yeah. to go for it. You can't go slow. Now you, there's different levels of going fast, obviously out of control. Those guys are never out of control. So when you get to that level, you're, you're not out of control, right? It's just, it just naturally happens. Shane Coley, those guys are all phenomenal shooters. Nils. I mean, dude, I watched him shoot at production and I was just like, Jesus, man, I, how the hell do you do that with iron sights? Right? Like, it's just one of those things where you get used to it. You see it, it slows down right? It slows down. And, and that's the thing is you have to be focused, laser focused on that one thing that will still allow you to win the match. If that makes sense, right? Like you're like, just say moving and shooting is a great example. If you have a guy that you're competing against that is going to stand and shoot, you might lose to him for a first couple of times, but the next few times you're going to kick his ass. Yeah, and what happens is <laughs> you're going to start dialing in the movement. You have to start dialing in that movement. It's not, it's not the movement part that you're fixing. It's when are you shooting and, and what is your body doing, right? Like 99% of our shooting comes from our body. It's how our body moves. You know, where's your body at? Are you leaning? Are you falling? Are you, are you under control? Are you going so fast that your dots moving all over the place? Most people don't realize that the shooting part, pfft, that's, that's the easiest part of what we do. It really is. It, it's, um, it's really all the dead time. All the dead yes. time is where you make yeah. up all of your, that's a movement. That's the short burst. You know, people talk a lot about transitions in this sport. If you are moving and shooting, you don't have any transitions. Like, I mean, you don't really have gun transitions. Your gun transitions turn into body transitions, right? Yeah. That, that's the things that a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people add a lot of emphasis on transitions with your gun. If you're moving and shooting, your body becomes the transition. So as you shoot each target, you, if you're moving into a target, you're going to end up shooting the target before you can see the next one anyway. 
So now you don't have to whip your gun over there and be inaccurate. Now it's just pop, 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 pop. As you move into position, you, those targets start to become available. And that's when you start to see the transformation of your shooting big time. Right. I mean, you know, you've seen you that know now, right? I notice, um, like we, we talk about moving and, and I mean, honestly, moving is the biggest part for me for shooting. One of the biggest parts. So like, it's not just being able to shoot with the steps and all that. It's about when should you take a shuffle yeah. when learning, when do you shuffle learning? When do you, you know, come in and plant a foot, all those little tiny things, man, that is a ton of time, you know, just a shoot Thursday night match. I shot the other night, like, you know, um, you shoot and then should you, you know, back out, or should you just shuffle step over? You know, so those all those things. How about the one where we got into where we talked about instead of shooting the paper, you shoot the activator first. Remember that stage, yeah. like yeah, Thursday yeah. night? I mean, that stage yeah, yeah. in itself is that was a movement stage. That, you know, because of what changed that, what do you remember what made us not shoot that? It was because we were in the front left corner and we would have had to have come all the way back and then in. And you gain very little time. And then, you, not, but not even gaining time. The problem is, is now you're waiting on an activator. You have no control over the stage. Forever. Or you shoot the head box. Yeah. So again, that also depends on your height. If a six foot two guy created that stage, the A for you uh, compared to mine is totally, I'm looking right at it. You're shooting up in the air. Like, come like over, yeah, right? over the berm. Yeah, over the berm. So yeah. it's a completely different view for you than it is exactly. for me. Right. So. Yeah. It's again within the rules because technically I can see it, but you know, not everybody could see that a, at least not, I wouldn't have taken that headshot. You know me, I'm, I'm all about taking yeah. chances to speed things up, but that was the, that was the stage with the plate rack, right? Yeah. The awesome okay. plate rack, but, but throwing out the plate rack, but once you leave that plate rack, there was really, you had to shuffle step over. Yeah. And if you to the last target, stuff, to the last set of yeah. targets, you mean? Yeah. 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 yeah the last four. So yeah. if you, you, you got to know when to shuffle and not just turn your whole body. So there's a man that is all your time. So here's just a great, that's such a small, that's a great you know. example of, uh, I didn't do a side shuffle at all because I'm taller than you. I actually yeah. did a reverse lean on that. I don't know if you yeah, noticed that, yeah, but I set thing. up to where I was on the far right of the port so that I could shoot. Well, whatever, however far right is on a two inch port that they created. Yeah, that wasn't a very big, uh, like <laughs> the, length, the width of your barrel. Uh, yeah. so I, I did a reverse lean and I shot the plate rack so that it would stand me up. And then all I had to do is basically lean over yeah. and, and shoot. I mean, it was still a lean, it's still a step, but at least I didn't have to, I was under control. I never had to actually like shuffle my feet or move. My gun just basically came off the steel plate and went bang right into the next uh, set of targets. No, I definitely so, didn't have that. Yeah. For me, but that's, but that's the walkthrough difference. And that's also the difference in the guns. You're shooting a PCC with the gun on your right shoulder. I can lean my whole body left and still be centered with the, with the pistol. Yeah. So there's, that's the disadvantage of, of shooting PCC. Um, in that aspect, there's a lot of that, a lot of those weird lanes and stuff that I can get away with. I mean, listen, I shot PCC really for two years. The, the yeah. difference in a PCC and the difference in a carry optics in movement is completely different. Like uh, the carry optics will win all day long. I just can't compete with the speed right of of the the pcc i can shoot so much faster with the pcc because i don't have any recoil issues i'm not waiting on the accuracy of the recoil it's it's there right especially if you're aggressive you pull the gun in tight but that that's really the big difference i've seen from switching the guns is i can move so much better 
with the carry optics. Yeah. You only have, you know, yeah. you have three points of contact. Every little bump yeah. is. Well, oh, now, now, and when I go back to the PCC, it's crazy faster because now I'm like, I know how to move better because I don't have the PCC. Like now my body movement is different. I've, I've figured out how to move my body more efficiently. And now it's like, all right, cool. I have this thing in my hand, right? Like it's no longer about how do I hold the PCC or hold the pistol? It's all right, cool. This thing's in here. Just make sure it's pointed that way. And you know, gun up the guns up at the same time. It doesn't, it doesn't change for me anymore. Uh, the gun, I treat both guns exactly the same way. I teach they're identical other than the speed of shooting them. Right. I mean, it's all the same, uh, even the way, like now I teach hard leans with a PCC. I change the way I do that. I, I, I choke up on it and I, and I bring it more to the center of my chest. It, there's so many things that I've figured out since I stopped shooting PCC and I started the insider circle that I'm like, God, how good could I have been if I would have learned all this stuff <laughs> when I was putting all my time into that rifle? You know, it's, um, it's, it's interesting. The difference when you switch over. Hey, uh, on that note, I got to go to the bathroom. All right, go ahead. All right. Back in one second. <clears throat> Dude, somebody asked the question without saying your age, say something a young person wouldn't understand. I wrote job. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, true. All right. So let me just, all right. So uh, Greg says, um, all right, guys. So Craig had to take a potty break. So I want to bring this up real quick while he was gone. So one of my buddies, Greg McKinney, he's in my insider circle. I don't want to misquote him here. Um, he said, I asked some questions, like, give me some answers on what you guys wanted for or some questions so I could answer them for you guys. And his was an explanation of suggested speeds and different driving lanes in Florida. If not, maybe the upcoming fall match season. <laughs> so he would like me to explain the driving laws in Florida. No, that, that, no, no we don't have enough time for that. Hold on. Either. It's real simple. If you're in the left lane and someone's behind you, get the hell out of the left lane. Pretty simple. No, That's Florida driving laws. Hit your brain. Yeah, yeah, hit your brain. So, Craig, you are the problem with Florida. You know what? All right. So, uh, one of the questions I want to get to, man, before we move on, um, it's not a fast, easy question. So, um, the Aruba prep. Let's go into the Aruba prep, bro. Like for your match prep. So let's talk a little bit about what you're trying to do. Cause I, cause there's some stuff that I want to get into about match prep, um, which will lead me into some of the things that I want to get into anyway. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing right now for the Aruba match prep. So this, this subject's going to be about match prep and we're not talking locals guys. We're talking about bigger matches. Like you're going to be going to uh, Aruba nationals. I'm going to South Carolina, uh, not South Carolina. I'm sorry. I'm going to Georgia state championship. So I've got some bigger matches coming up. So, you know, what are you doing to, to prepare for Aruba? I'm interested to see what your difference is between mine and yours. So, um, the first thing would be for me is shoot as much as humanly possible. Um, it, get out to the, do as many matches as I can, uh, do as much dry fire as I can. The other thing is, is to, I need to, I have to sit and analyze and be my own coach and and look at where do i think i need to where are things i think they need to work on um for instance thursday night when i shot that's the first time i shot since like i think over a month um it, it was pretty crappy 
So my focus necessarily wasn't on the A zone. So I, I had to sit back and go, okay, why wasn't my focus on the A zone? What, you know, getting specific, why wasn't I, you know, why wasn't I sitting there focused on the A zone? What was I, you know, what was I thinking? So then I went back to dry fire, reconfirmed, did a bunch of crap in dry fire um, at my, at the police department range and practice shooting on the move and all that stuff, but mainly focused on um, that stuff. Now, the next thing is going to be, let's say, um, um, my next Thursday is a match coming up. I'm going to dry fire up until that Thursday. I'm going to dry fire working on reloads, working on shooting on the move, working on all that stuff. And then uh, shoot Thursday and be my own coach again and look at where, where, where are my hits, where I need to work on um, uh, Saturday or Sunday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot the same thing. So I'm, it's going to be a constant analyzation because, you know, in a perfect world, I would have eight days, seven days of the week to shoot and figure it out, but I don't. So I have to be as efficient as I possibly can. So I must constantly reevaluate, you know, what did I do in this match? You know? Um, so for me, it's not necessarily winning. And I, we talked about the other night, like screwing up sometimes is not a bad thing because it just exposes things. I don't want to be exposed in a big match. And I know that a lot of it is because I haven't got to go out and shoot. So, but that's okay. So now I know, all right, I need to buckle this down and lock this in before, before Aruba, um, before any major match. Right. Um, so it, you, you cannot, and we talked about this before, you cannot just go through dry fire blindly and just daydream and just go through the motions. It's it, it, you, you kill yourself. So but the advantage of dry fire to me is I just shot a match. I didn't shoot as well as I needed to. I know I knew what I needed to work on and I'm doing it again back in dry fire. And that's where I'm at. So um, if there's a better way, please let me know. <laughs> so you know. so I, I, this, we don't really talk about this much because, you know, we don't, we don't really sit down and have these kind of conversations a whole lot until we get on here and get at it. But what, what do you think your, what do you think your limit is on how long you can go without physically shooting? Obviously you dry fire almost on a daily basis. What do you think wow. your limit is that before you start losing it? And I think this is an answer that is an impossible answer oh, for everyone yeah. because but, everybody sh is different. Everyone's different. Yes. Like some guys will lose it. Some guys can go back to, I think a lot of it goes to how strong are their fundamentals compared. I mean, Dude, you, you do this a lot though. I mean, you're, you're with the PD or you, you, you got the SWAT situation, but you haven't even been doing a lot of SWAT stuff lately. Have you? No, but the, the thing is, is in our sport, but the level of speed, the level of, um, yeah, SWAT's there's zero margin of error. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that you lose it fast. I mean, you have to be on this all the time. That's why it's very tough, especially at a higher level. You're a GM. I'm an A. I'm going to be a master soon uh, at that level. That's hard, man. You can't go a month or, you know, three or four weeks without three weeks without shooting that. I, I think you're going to have some drop off. You will have some drop off. You have to, you know? And so, you know, to me, what's the time frame? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, a week. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm probably at two weeks. Like I can, my big thing is, is I, I think what I, what my problem is, is, I remember the fundamental things uh, sure. fine. I, I remember the, I remember the draw. I remember the speed. Cause I just naturally yeah. go fast. I mean, shit, dude, I talk fast. Everything I do is kind of fast. So yeah. uh, 
it's not something that is a foreign to me to when the guy hits the beat for me to whip that thing out there in 0.79 seconds and hit two alpha. The issue I tend to see when I don't shoot a lot is I don't trust my shooting. I don't tr like, I'm not seeing it. Like my, I'm not seeing at the speed that I'm going at. Right. So like, I don't think people realize that a 0.79 draw without some practice, <laughs> seeing yeah, that yeah. gun go off, yeah. you aren't seeing the 0.79. You can get a 0.79 and hit stuff, yeah. but are you seeing it and how fast or how slow is it? So to me, that was one of the things that I noticed uh, when I take time off is that if I don't stay on that gun on a regular basis, the physical shooting part is where I'm like, whoa, like what, what? I thought I was an alpha. How come I got a Charlie there? That's what I saw yeah. the most um, yeah. from taking I would think that that's probably most like, um, it's probably close to what everybody has. Like for instance, for me, it's like, um, uh, it's I'm shooting at Brown, right? I see the A and then that's that it's Brown. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, confirming two alpha, two shots, and then going to the next target. So th th that that level of focus is not there right away, and it, and it took me a few stages, or even three or whatever, to get to get to used to thinking like that again, you know. And I know you can't do that at a major match, you know. That needs to be done, you know. You need to be dialed in before that, you know. I think that's so, another one of the issues, though, man. Is that. <sighs> I mean, what you're saying is like, yeah, that's for like this for everybody, but I don't think a lot of people understand or see what we're talking about because they're just, it, it takes a certain level of focus. And I, yes. I, I mean, the easiest word is focus to call it that but attention. Yeah. It, yeah. Attention to yeah. details, right? Like seeing that dot rise and fall, but not look at the dot. It's so hard to explain unless you dot or unless you target focus. But what happens is most guys take that time off and they like, well, look what happened with you. you oh yeah. Instantly went to Brown anywhere is good yeah. for me, but you, and it's something that you didn't catch until we were two stages in. And then you were like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. But remember we were talking about like, steel? Uh, did you do that on steel though? Huh? Yeah. You, I was so you were going on steel too? Yeah, I was yeah. on. But yeah. like I was middle of the stage. Remember I was telling you, I go, dude, I'm in the middle of the stage running and going, yeah. crap, I'm shooting at Brown. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm noticing and that's yeah. what I'm doing. It, yeah. know, like, but Jesus. that's the, but here's the thing. What kept you from fixing that before the stage? But yeah. that's what I mean. It's, this is what I'm saying. This is what, yeah. this is what happens when you take time off and yeah. you don't stay at the dry fire. So that, that's another <laughs> thing. This is why dry fire is so important but you have yeah. to back it up with live fire. And, and, and yeah. I think you Which said yeah. earlier, that was a great point. You, you back it up with live fire practice, not a match, right? So it would be so, great. Optimal. Yes. yes. If you take time off and then go to a match for your practice, mm, you're probably going to struggle for the first couple of stages. And you're probably going to have some stages that are just throwaways unless, unless you're a hundred percent focused from the beginning of that match that, that's what it. you're working on. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, throw it. I mean, yeah. honestly, man, I just feel like level ones at some point have to be throwaways for, if you're anything under an a, uh, hell, even if you're over an a or, or under a master at this point. Yeah. So, so I think, yeah. I think to me, the cutoff is master and below. If you're an a, you should be focusing on practicing and not worrying about winning a match. If you're a master, you're kind of just in that detail stage, right? You're just, you're one step away from grand Matt. 
I, and I don't think that's true either, dude. I, I listen, I, I see this a lot. I see people who make grandmaster and, and you don't, I don't take anything away from them. That's awesome. You're a grandmaster. You, you have to earn that. I don't think there is an easy division in this sport to just instantly make grandmaster, but there are different levels of shooters in this sport. There's different levels of masters, grandmasters, uh, you know, the guys that are grandmaster, there is a level above the rest that I don't think people pay attention to, right? They don't, they just go, Oh, well, everybody's a, all those guys are grandmasters. Yes. You're a grandmaster, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're not, yeah. a, you're not one of the 5%, right. Or 2% that win all the time. That that's the goal. Like, I think yeah. that's where the level that I strive at, I look for, right. I'm not looking to be a grandmaster. I'm looking to be the best grandmaster or one of the best, right. There's a difference to that kind of thinking, you know, I so, guess I want to get to a point where I can, you know, and I'm not, I'm not good enough, but I can, you know, not shoot for a month and uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of a drop off, but not a major drop off. I mean, that one stupid, you know, level one, I shot, you know, four deltas and three mics and whatever, you know, so I, I would love to be able to say that I'm there. I'm not, you know, and I, I, I need practice, you know, and that's just me. So I, I that's where I'm at <laughs> for me. You know? So I, that kind of brings me into a subject that I, I wanted to get into today was the levels, right? I haven't really had a chance to talk a lot about levels of shooters and like what you should be looking at when you're, when you're a shooter. So the different levels of shooters um, on kind of what you need to be looking at to get better and what you're probably going to be looking at to get better. Let me, let me rephrase it like that. So when you're a C-class shooter, there's a couple things that you're working on. The number one thing you're probably working on is not getting DQ'd. That, that's like the number one thing, right? Safety is trying to make sure that you don't have your finger in the trigger. Um, you don't break the 180 when you're moving from right to left, those kind of things. I, I think that's the number one thing when I was a C-class shooter that I focused on when I walked stage, it was like, just don't DQ here. And I was kind of out of control. Well, not kind of, I was out of control. I was, I was running so fast and flopping out of bounds and drop stepping six feet wide. I mean, I just, everything was bad. Right. I mean, I, I remember I used to lean forward and like way down and I just, I just didn't, I had no idea what I was doing and until I had a coach and guy helped me out a little bit. Um, so then I, I went to the next level, which was B. And at, when I made B production, I basically switched over. As soon as I made B production, I switched over to um, PCC. And so as a B class shooter, the, so, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing with the C class guys, you're focused on accuracy. So it's not getting disqualified, not getting DQ'd and you're focused on accuracy. So, because what ends up happening is we put speed in front of the accuracy as a C-class shooter. So you have to, you have to understand that as a C-class shooter, your fundamentals are junk, right? Like you're, you don't have good fundamentals. That's why you're a C-class shooter. And I think JJ said it at the class. I, I took a JJ Rakaza class a few months ago and, and he made a really great analogy for like the levels of shooters that I really liked. Um, and what he was saying was that you can become a grandmaster in this sport with just your athletic ability. He goes, you'll become a grandmaster, which is what I did, right? I became a grandmaster, like almost instantly six months after picking up the right gun that was meant for me to be athletic and move and shoot and do all what I needed to do and teach myself how to shoot. 
I became a grandmaster within six months after picking up, putting down the production gun. And, you know, cause my fundamentals weren't good. <laughs> I didn't have good fundamentals as a, I mean, I guess I did have good fundamentals because I haven't practiced with any, uh, any pistol other than PCC. And then I picked up the carry optics and within a month I was a grandmaster, right? Um, because my production numbers uh, for carry optics, uh, they didn't carry over, you know, I had to classify as a carry optics. I think I was a 50 or 60% when I first started. So I was garbage with my carry optics as well. So I had to work my way up. Right. But I instantly made it because I took all of those things that I was good at in PCC. And I focused on the fundamentals of, of, I knew to carry optics fundamentals were just the same, but I had to remember to grip the gun and, and do all those things doesn't hurt that I found a gun that I love and then I can shoot fast, right? With the plastic, fantastic. So I go into that and my focus went from C-class. I went to B-class. My focus became about speed, right? Now my accuracy was good. I, I was pretty accurate. I wasn't super accurate at the time, but I started focusing on speed. So after I got done with B-class, I realized that I was pretty accurate, but then I was only focused on speed but I kept getting mics because now I'm going faster and my accuracy was going to suffer. And I remember people used to come up to me all the time and go, Hey man, you gonna hit anything tonight. You're going to slow down. Nope. Nope. That was my answer. Every time. Nope. Not going <laughs> to slow down. Not going to no. slow down. I'm going to keep going to speed. It'll slow down. I'm trusting the guy, Mike, how who taught me it's going to slow down. It's going to slow down. It's going to slow down. So I said, all right, I'm gonna just trust him. I'm gonna do it. I mean, listen, these guys were all better shooters than I was. I mean, my goal was to beat all those guys. So why wouldn't you listen to the guy who's kicking your ass, right? Like, why would you listen to somebody that's a peer of yours that is equal to you <laughs> when another guy's telling you do this, right? I mean, listen to the guys that are better than you. There's a reason they're better. So I go to the next, uh, I get into B and I focused only on that. So what I learned in B class was that I had to eliminate the mics, right? I needed to, to eliminate mics. So after I got out of B, I think I went to a, or I mean, man, I think I jumped like to master, like almost, I think I was like a for a week with PCC, but I went from that to immediately trying to eliminate. I started, I eliminated the mics, which obviously, you know, I still get one here and there, but not like before where I would get five or six a match. Then I got rid of those and I started shooting dotted deltas. And so I'd probably say I was about a master by then. And I was getting a lot of deltas. I mean, a lot of one point you know, shots here and there, one point, one point, one point. So I got out of that and then I went into the grandmaster level and I got rid of the deltas and now I'm getting maybe one or two deltas a match, maybe three or four at the most. Like if it's a bigger match, you're going to get more than that, but your, your average would be three or four, you know? And what I've noticed is if I have a state, if I get deltas, it's usually on one stage, right? Like I'll get two or three on one stage. Cause I'm going so damn fast or I'm not focused on the fundamentals or uh, or even worse, I'll aim two shots at the same spot and never move the gun, right? So it's like two touching delta. Like that is the most frustrating thing to me is when I aim at the spot <laughs> and get shoot, yeah. shoot super accurate. Like, hell yeah, that was accurate. And then I'm like, oh, those are right in the delta though. So like that stupid crap. Um, it's like your brain and your body aren't like working together. And then obviously as you get to Grandmaster, you know, the goal is to, was to, and again, speed for me was from every, I, I was always fast and always working on speed, but now it's like everything that I do that has to do with speed. It's, it's more efficiency, not go faster. It's how do I shoot slower and be faster? Right. Uh, have you noticed that in the, the way I shoot now compared to what it was before? Um, 
yeah but dude you shoot you shoot that gun like it's, like it's an open i mean you shoot pretty darn fast yeah so, it doesn't I mean, feel like it <laughs> yeah but i mean it, it it is and that's just blowing smoke i mean you know you, you you shoot it fast dude i mean the thing is is though um the accuracy has gotten way better over the past few months way better significantly better yeah um you know to where you're just jamming alphas everywhere charlie's mixed in and then there's like no deltas i mean i, I think my issue when i first got the canic was that i was shooting pcc <laughs> right like i still yeah. felt like it was shoot like a pcc because the trigger's great i can i can uh, my grip's never been an issue. I, the way I, the, my technique is more important than the actual grip strength, right? Like the way I teach how to hold the gun is different than most, some guys. I don't want to say most because we all have a little bit different ways of doing things, but it's, it's, it's more about, I guess, just remembering to squeeze it, right? Like, I think that's the biggest problem most people have in shooting is to remember what to do. Like how many times have you forgot to look at the target? and look at the a and and put the yeah. dot there right i mean how yeah. many times have we had that conversation and it's not that you don't know it's no, like it's just you're not you know oh shit i for what the hell am i doing right now like yeah. in the middle of this day absolutely that's what happened to me <laughs> you know? that night. It, yeah. it, it, i i wish i could say i was so much better than what i am that i'm that <laughs> i don't have that problem you know yeah but, but it doesn't go away craig it doesn't go away i, I don't think people no. understand it never it never goes away, but what happens is, is you learn to manage it and you learn to fix it immediately. There's no longer, ah, just get to it later. It's like, yeah, if you, no. have, a, yeah, if you no, have a bad no. grip with a pistol on a draw, you learn to fix it on a transition. You don't just go, I'm just going to roll with it for the next 16 shots. <laughs> you fix it and then, yeah. you know, keep rolling. So that, 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 that to me is where the experience comes in and you learn that it's no longer acceptable to just accept it right now it's fix it fix it from stage to stage uh sometimes array to array you know if you you know you're shooting inaccurate here you got to fix it in the next array uh, but that's where the details start you know kind of kicking your ass a little bit where if you're not detailed you start forgetting it so on another topic how important someone who's serious about shooting um how important is it them for them to go to a, a travel match travel to another match so, dude, I learned everything. I learned, I would say the most important part about a travel match that it gets overlooked is the mental warfare that comes from a travel match. Because um, you're spending just, money, you mess well, up. Yeah, man. You, yes. A waste of money. And blah, yes. blah, blah. Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into yes. traveling that people don't. It's it's not a family vacation, right? Like, it's dude, uh, how many guys feel like that where they drink the night before and yeah stupid so stupid. stupid yeah we know a couple guys that are really talented brennan very talented and then have a sniper take him out on a map because he got drunk the night before dummy no, no, no. So, oh it's getting on here i ain't deleting it. He's, he's too good of a shooter to be drinking the night before major mats drink after you win your trophies you idiots so I, I just, I don't understand that, man. I spend thousands and thousands of dollars doing this crazy sport. And then to go get drunk the night before a big match just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, I get it. Most people are never going to make a living at this. They're not going to make money doing this stuff, but to, to spend 
dude, if I spent a hundred dollars doing this, I wouldn't get drunk the night before. It just, it just, it doesn't make sense. What would you, what would you rate? I don't know. How, how, what level of importance would you put on going to a big match outside of, you know, your local area? So here's the thing, someone who's but you don't have to go out of your local area. Cause I mean, think about it for the first three years that I shot this, we only had one nationals out of Florida, right? I live in Florida. So I only had one nationals outside of Florida. I traveled to Utah because I, this is my, like, I love this. This is my life. Like this is my financial and mental investment in life. Right. I, it, other than my family, like even work, man, I hate to say it, but I think about this while I'm at work. I, I just, I, I mean, I, work is kind of like on overdrive. I'm like, oh, I know how to do this. Just hit the button and do, you know, I mean, I do construction for a living and physically have to do work, but I, I know how to do all that stuff. So now all I think about a shooting. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But for me personally, going out of town, there was a couple of things that I, I liked about going out of town. One, I got to focus only on shooting. There was no yes. work. There was yes. no, I got to drive home tomorrow. I got to be yes. the kids. Absolutely. There was none of that, right? There was not. Now, obviously, I don't go to the match and go, oh, screw you, kids. You don't exist. That, that's not what I'm saying. But when I'm at the match, there's no phone calls. There's no, hey, honey, can you go get some milk? There's none no of that crap. Stuff. I'm focused yep. on shooting, right? I'm hundred percent focused on shooting. The other thing that I got from that was obviously camaraderie with my friends. I mean, we have a team that of guys that travel together that are, is amazing. <laughs> so when you have people that you really enjoy spending time with, this sport is even more uh, entertaining and fun because now you're hanging out with buddies. You, you know, they're going to paste. That's another thing you travel. You don't really know what you're going to get at a match. So when you go to these big matches and you're out of state and you start meeting people, uh, you start meeting people, you start meeting people that don't paste and don't work. It teaches you how to deal with that. So when you get to another match that is more important, like a nationals or things like that, you start to see, you start to see how to deal with that. But I would say the other thing that I really, that really gets overlooked is the flavor of the match. When you go to different areas, you get different views of different stages and different stage designers. So, Craig, we went to Florida State Championship this year. We went to Dockwell, Area 6, South Carolina. Am I missing anything other than just our average local Sunday stuff? Nothing. Not one single match was even close to similar. No. Nothing. No. No, and none of them sucked. All good. All good. No, all great. good. So, so, and that's the other thing. The stages aren't always what make a match good. I think that's another thing people kind mm -hmm. of overlook sometimes is when you go to a stage or go to a match, I honestly don't care about the, the range. Like a lot of people are like, oh, it's such a pretty range. Well, I've been to some really nice ranges that I've had some really shitty matches. I don't care about that. I care about the quality of the match, the ROing, um, the, the the staff has to be somewhat polite, I would hope. You know what I mean? We spent thousands of dollars to doing this, and I do understand that they're overworked and underpaid in this sport. That's just kind of how it is. Um, but, you know, staff makes a big difference in matches. If you and, and that's the thing is, man, you travel and you meet all these different other people yeah. that are just like us that are volunteering their time. That's what I was going to say is we, we, met, and we made some good friends, like, you know, that, so it, it's, yeah. that, that's cool. 
You know, Dude, I, I, some of my best, some of the best people I've met in this sport that I talk to or message on a daily basis live in Tennessee, right? I, I went to Tennessee as a, I guess I wasn't really known as a shooter. I was kind of known as a shooter, but not really. I mean, I, I was shooting PCC and uh, you know, people hate PCC for whatever reason. Um, unless your name's Max Leagranis, they, <laughs> that guy just kicks everybody's ass. So everybody seems to like him or respect that. I'm like, well, there's a lot of other good shooters out there, guys. <laughs> you know, he's just the best at it. But, uh, you, you know, you meet, I went to Tennessee and, and I had a guy just, you know, catch up with me and be like, Hey man, you want to come out and practice with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm here working on my parents' house just for a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'd love to, I haven't had a chance. I didn't think I was going to get it even shoot down there. So I brought all my gear. I brought ammo and everything. I was just going to shoot in their backyard. Cause I got 20 acres. And I ended up going to matches. I helped set up a match there on a weekday, their first weekday match. That was kind of cool. But I got to travel around and meet people that I would have never done if I would have stayed home, right? If I wouldn't have traveled and, and met these guys or tried these matches. Then I've been to the Atomic Blast in Tennessee two years in a row. Uh, that was a great match. That's a great, great match. I don't know who's running it this year, if they're even having it because of COVID and everything, but uh, I mean, my plan next year is to try to go to all the area matches. I mean, that's, that's how deep I am into this though. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know guys, we got the, the Draggies, you know, they, they go to every single area match and they're local to us. They go to every single area match. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, the amount of experience you get from going like Big area time. three this, this year, I, I didn't shoot it, but I was just like, what the hell is this? Like cars, uh, guys laying on their bellies on ramps, jumping out of, you know, there was all this weird stuff that, that we don't see. Right. So what happens when you see that stuff is you're like, Whoa, what is this? A better shooter. It, yeah. And, and we talk about this before is that you can't like, and I think this was part of our, the private group that the meeting that we had in the uh, insider circle the other day is you don't get all the stages are the same. Like they, 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 everything that we do is exactly the same. It's how they disguise it, right? There's only so many ways to enter and exit a target, but it's how they disguise it is why stage planning is hard. It, 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 and that's why people struggle with it because they're like, they're not looking at it as like, oh, I've already seen this before. Yeah, There's yeah. only one way a swinger goes. <laughs> I mean, unless it's yeah. one of those real wonky ones that's going crazy. But at the end of the day, it still goes left to right right? The swingers don't go up and down. They go left to right. Bobbers go one way up and down, right? So you've seen them the same over and over and over again. It's just the presentation that they're giving you. And when you add speed into that presentation area, that's when you make mistakes and you miss, right? Or if they give you a hard cover on it, or that's where you start to make your mistakes on those stages is when you, you know, rush those areas that you're not recognizing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, honestly, man, the biggest thing for me about going out of town was, uh, I gain a lot of experience on how to deal with stress of big matches because I don't know, man, I don't, I don't really feel the stress. Like to me, it turns me up. Like I get excited about those pressure moments, but I also know that I spend thousands of dollars. I guess this is, I look at this like gambling, right? Like, cause I, I don't gamble. I don't spend money on stuff like that, but to me, I'm okay. Losing my money. <laughs> on this one right like yeah but your focus shouldn't be when you go to those matches like the reason i was asking that is like yeah. oh my gosh i spent a bunch of money yeah. I'm like, you know i don't want to screw up that, that, that's the last thing you want to 
Well, I don't do it for the money, bro. Like, honestly, like even the shooting even, academy. Yeah. Yeah. But even the shooting academy, I didn't start the shooting academy to make money. I started the shooting academy to help people because Correct. I didn't have the help that was that people I needed. So I know that I could give my information that I've worked for and help people. Now, obviously, if you're good at something, you get paid for it. But uh, I, didn't start, I still yeah. don't do the shooting academy for money. I, I do the shooting academy because I know my system works i've yeah I've but you genu- you genuinely love when people do better oh man from you coaching it's you, so awesome. you genuinely you know it's an obvious it's an obvious thing sam got so, me on video this week uh sunday he he was moving and shooting he actually remembered to grip the gun this time because i yelled at him <laughs> yesterday. i left him a nasty video on his phone so he could <laughs> open it up last night uh i forgot what i even said <laughs> It wasn't nice. I was like, what are you doing? Start gripping your gun. <laughs> so he had to, he had to go to sleep seeing my face last night. Did say that to him. So yeah. Uh, Stay on your feet. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, Oh, grip your damn gun. <laughs> I was so dude. I trained him so much, right? We we're really good friends. I see him every week. We talk about shooting all the time. I'm like, dude, you can't forget that. Like, it's the number one thing with a pistol, you goober. So anyways, but uh, so he shot today and I was in the video and I'm in the background going boom, boom, like he's walking and shooting on steel. I'm like, yeah, get it, get it. And then you hear me yell in the background at the end because I can't seem to keep my mouth shut. And I'm like, that's the way to grip the gun, baby. You know, like finally gripping the damn gun. So I didn't realize that I actually look like that when I'm chasing my students. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, but, um, all right, so let's get into a couple things, bro. I want to talk about, let's go into gear prep real quick. Um, what did you do or what is your plan to prep your gear for Aruba? Okay. So I noticed an issue I had, uh, with my firing pins for the PCC. They, um, and we talked about it when you run a hyper fire trigger, it hits, it hits that firing pin pretty hard basically a can hit the back a, of that thing yeah yeah it puts a ton of stress on it i broke two within within a month um and uh so that's like okay i'm great they didn't happen in a match they happened in training so awesome it happened in dry fire one happened in while well, i was live fire shooting that one happened in dry fire so perfect right so but all right hold on before you go on what's the rule yeah. that i taught you when you first started when we first started working together, what was the rule with PCC? What do we, what do I do about my firing pins? You change them out. No, no, yeah, but yeah. I have a practice one. Oh yeah. 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 And a oh, match yeah, one. Yeah. I have sure. a practice one and a match one. So the match one never gets used unless I'm going to the match. That's what's, um, that, the, so I had the practice one broke. So I used the match one. The match one maybe has about 5,000 rounds on it, but it is what it is. It's just broken. That's that, you know, so <clears throat> I have a third one that's in there. I've got to gain more firing pins because uh, I don't have any extras, you know, but um, gear prep, I got to make sure my gun's clean, all, my, all that stuff and just the basic things and all that, but um, spare parts, you know, I'm going out of the country and I'll have access to anything spare, you know, uh, Pat Evans bringing a whole extra gun, thankfully. So we can cannibalize the crap out of that. If something does happen, most people don't have that though. Most Correct. people are going out, have of that state, even out of so state, it, they don't have that. Yeah. So take it with you. You know, um, uh, uh, if you have the availability, take a whole extra gun. You have that ability. ability. Padavan's taking an entire extra PCC yeah. for all of us. Um, 
you know, I have a spare bolt carrier, I got spare parts, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I got to pre-plan that, you know, and I try to sit there and go, okay, what can break? What's going to go wrong? If something does go wrong, what will I do? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Um, it, uh, another example, great example on uh, my mag. I have a, um, MBX mags are awesome, but I dropped one fully loaded straight down on the lips and bent one of the feed lips. I have spares, not a problem, but I, I want to try to work this mag, you know, um, it's still not hundred percent. I can't trust it. So I'm not going to use it in, in the match, you know, at all. Not that those, those mags are awesome. I love them and that's all I use, but I, it, I've got to get it either tuned by someone that knows what they're doing because I've been trying to do it and it's still not coming out right. Uh, or it's relegated to whatever, you know, Practice mags. Yeah. So you got to check all your mags, clean all their mags, you know? I mean, what a waste. You go there and you get jams for, oh, my mags were dirty. Jeez, you know, preventable stuff, you know? So yeah. anything that can be prevented, I want to try to do that. And then if it's an act of God, it is what it is. Nothing I can do about it, yeah. you know? Yeah, man. So for me, like the biggest thing that I'm noticing now, the biggest thing I'm noticing now that I have two guns is it's, it's, they're almost identical. Like I have zero issue. The triggers feels the same. The dots exactly the same, but in the last two weeks, since I've got the new gun, I'm beating the hell out of the brand spanking new one on purpose, obviously, because I want to make sure it's working and there's no issues with it but I'm having issues with it. So I have, and that's obviously because of me shooting it so much. I haven't cleaned it. You know, I'm just putting oil on it. Well, that doesn't fix anything. That just jams more goo in there. Right. Like <laughs> makes it even tighter. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to do a good cleaning on that, but I haven't got my backup gun. The one that was my newer gun that I was shooting before the new, new gun. I haven't, I haven't put that one back together completely. Like I have everything I needed. The parts finally came in. I, it's completely set up exactly the same, but I haven't sighted the dot dot in. I've got to get the barrel throated because um, for whatever reason, the new Canic barrels are super tight, right there. I just love that gun, dude. That thing is just phenomenal, but it, I couldn't just drop a bullet in that thing for whatever reason. I probably could have crimped my rounds tighter, but I'm not doing that. I want my gun to be where it was supposed to be with the other gun. You know, I don't want to change that. So I had yeah. to take my old barrel and put it in my new gun. Right. So my match prep with the gun issues has actually been causing me to shoot like crap lately. I'm noticing. So like, I've been having a lot of struggles in the last three weeks and it's become from the gun. It's because I'm not yeah. trusting my equipment. Um, but no, I will. But you're exposing <laughs> it in, in level one matches, which is a good thing. Exactly. You know? and, I, and here's the thing. I will trust my equipment, right? I, because I trusted the first one for, hell, I shot nationals with it last year. And I didn't even know if it was going to work. I, I didn't even know Nils at the time. And I had no idea how to fix what my problem was. I was shooting underpowered ammo, uh, at least for what the gun, gun was originally designed for. You said it was oversprung for NATO rounds. Oh, my God, dude. Like the, that's the one thing people don't understand. I see a lot of people complain about guns not working. Do you know what the gun was intended for when it was designed? Because 99% of the guns that we shoot are never designed for competition. They're not designed for 50,000 rounds a, a, a year. They're not. They're not even, they're not designed to shoot at the speeds that we, I don't think people realize what a 0.13 split is. <laughs> It's, I mean, your eye blink might be a 0.13 split. What's that? They get run hard. Yeah. I don't think people realize that though. They're looking at these guns. They're like, oh, this thing jams all the time. I'm like, 
it's not designed for a hundred dude we're good shooting ammo that is 130 power factor which is just about a thousand feet per second i mean you got some of these rounds are 14 1500 feet per second that these guys are shooting out of these guns that they make in foreign countries it's it's not the same design so i will be confident in that second gun um it's just getting the bugs worked out but i yeah. You know, I just I wanted to go through this conversation real quick because it's something that I don't think gets talked about a whole lot is the gear confidence. Like, and that's why I said asked you about your gear prep. So now when you go to Aruba, knowing you have multiple firing pins, multiple batteries, multiple O-rings for your buffer, all these different things, you aren't going to be going there and going, Oh, I hope this gun works. Yeah, it works. The mags right? I'm using are hundred percent perfect and it, it, you know the, to me the the with the mag the first problem is the last problem until you get it fixed you should not be using that thing in a major match period until it's running 100 percent. but, but here's know. another here's another thing i hear all the time so you dropped your magazine because that's what they're designed to do now obviously pcc mags are a little more sensitive because they, they got 57 rounds so it's like 60 pounds of <laughs> of yeah. drop behind it right you got a 20 pound mag landing on the ground there but at the end of the day, it's not the magazine's fault that it doesn't work. It's out of spec, right? And I hear this constantly about, oh, you know, like today I was having gun problems. A couple other guys had gun problems with their, oh, actually one other guy had a problem with his Canik. He just bought a brand new Canik and he was like, hey man, I bought the Canik because of you. I'm like, wow, that's awesome, dude. I really appreciate that. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't have anything to do with them, but I love their gun. So if you have any questions, let me know. So we're going through everything that I use and how I got the gun running and everything. He had just about everything he needed, but his spring was an issue. And he, he's like, oh, my magazine. I'm like, no, what are you using for your springs? And he told me, he's like, oh, I was like, oh, that's the same stuff I was using. And it's not strong enough to, uh, to work the gun. So he goes, are you serious? And I go, yeah, man, it's just not, it depends on what your power factor is of your ammo. If you don't shoot a hotter ammo, that spring system that you bought won't work consistently. Cause he, that was the thing that I learned is you could get it to work, but it wasn't consistent. You would have that one death jam that would just murder you, right? Like it would just murder you. So I, I, we talked to him today. I got him set up with the parts he needed to finish it off, but he was just like, how come nobody talks about this? I go, cause everybody thinks that if you, if your gun jams, you have a bad grip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it doesn't always work like that. Right. Mm -hmm. I hear that all the time with the canics. They're amazing guns. But if you don't shoot a specific ammo that that gun was designed for, you're going to have some issues. So, uh, you know, I talked about him earlier winning that match. Brandon Raider was one of the guys that figured out how to, you know, change that thing around and get rid of that factory springs. And it changed that, that gun completely. But again, I, I think the main issue and the reason I got into this was because you have to know your gear. You have to prep your gear before a match. You can't just go over and slap some oil in the damn thing. And, okay, it's cool. Huh. It's going to work. We, we run our gear hard, man. Like um, my MBX mags for my, the Glock, the Glock mags for PCC are, are to me the, the best. I love them, but we run them hard. I, when I dropped that mag, it was fully loaded all that weight and yeah. hit a barrel flip straight down and hit it around the feed lips. That is what it is, man. It's that's, you know, the cost of doing business. Yeah. So I, I, I got to try to get that mag working, but you got to make sure your stuff runs, man. Period. It doesn't matter how great it is. You can't just think, Oh, that was just max suck. You know, that, that's not true. <laughs> They're awesome. <laughs> you got to fix it, you know? Yeah. I think that's the hardest part of the sport though, is we spend so much money on something and we're instantly like, it's going to be the answer. It's, it's not always the answer. A lot of the answers are in you, not the gear, right? Like oh, I, honestly, exactly. 
some we, somebody was talking to me about another brand of gun and i was like ah, i don't really like that gun and they're like oh why it's a great gun i said i didn't say it was a bad gun yeah i just don't like it because i don't like the grip <laughs> angle or the way the grip felt i was it's like it's different man it had nothing yeah. to do with the gun i thought yeah. the gun's great I was like, I like that gun. I was like, I think it's a good looking gun too. I said, I just don't like the way it feels. Oh, well, you can buy this grip. I'm like, yeah, but I could also buy that grip for any other gun if I wanted to. If I have to buy a gun and change the fundamentals of the whole outside to fit me, then it's oh, yeah. probably not the gun that was meant for me, right? It's just the way it is. Every gun's like that. I mean, every brand has that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not something that I've, uh, we talked about dots today. It was a guy had, he was shooting an RMR. And he came up and he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to, he's like, I'm trying to get used to this dot. I figured if I can get used to my RMR, I can get used to anything. I was like, dude, you don't want to learn how to shoot an RMR and competition. He was like, really? Why? And I go, just the fear, the sheer factor that you have to see things. (laughs) I said, and he he looked at me and he goes, RMR is a good dot. I said, it's an amazing dot. It's an amazing dot. I'm not, but what people seem to forget is that if you disagree, you shit on them. No, the dots awesome. But I I would use that to hit, hit somebody in the head with, if I needed a weapon. Also, I wouldn't use my max Romeo three max XL on somebody's head. I would like, Oh no, don't hit the dot. Like, I don't even want to rack my gun with the dot on it. Even though yeah. it's even though the slide's gonna damage that that dot before my hand will ever will. Yeah. Right. I mean, the amount of pressure the slide does compared to somebody's hand is nowhere near the same pressure. But you know, the point was is he was able to shoot with a red dot and get in the sport and get out of iron sights. And I'm like, and he was that I brought up something else that we talked about earlier. He sucked at red dot right now he's like man but i figured if i just keep going i'll get better he goes i always want to go back to my iron sights and i go why he goes because i'm good at them i'm used to them i know that i can always do better with my iron sights and i said there it is that was a huge thing i just wish i had a bunch of students standing around when that happened <laughs> the key to it all is that you don't quit because it do- you don't do well i see that a lot i see a lot of people they'll change back to an old division they'll switch switch guns they, they want to modify their gun because this isn't right or that didn't give them all alphas or whatever it is. It's that the suck isn't because of the equipment most of the time. It's because of you, right? It's but they keep going around and around it. and around trying to buy a piece of gear to right. fix their issue. Yeah. Right. Well, And that's the thing. I think gear enhances your abilities. It doesn't hinder it, right? Like it doesn't make you a worse shooter if you have a bigger dot right? It doesn't make you a worse shooter. If you have a smaller dot, it's just that now it's going to take you to focus a lot harder on finding things through. You're not going to be as fast in my, but now you can be, but it would be one of those things where I would, I think eventually that gear would, would hold you back a little bit. Right. Like, like like a dot brings out your habits. Right. If you got bad habits, it's going (laughs) to. Yeah. Yeah. Where is it? You know, the, the old, Hey, the old, one of these, right. When you're trying to do the dot, (laughs) you're trying to roll your wrist to find the dot, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's an example, but everything else, like guys try to just gear the crap out of getting, you know, better instead of just trying to get better. They think that just the gear. Yeah. The gear is going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. So I, I just think that that was something that I had to bring up. I think it's one of the biggest things that I see, um, you know, lately is the gear prep is, you know, you just got to, you got to know your stuff. You got to get your gear together and, and you got to roll with what you got sometimes. I mean, you're not going to always have the best of everything um, to be a great shooter. I think uh, there's a lot of things that I've, 
that I've bought and that I don't use anymore that I thought were great things. Um, you know, I just, I don't use them anymore. <laughs> yeah. I changed, I've changed a lot of gear. Um, since I started shooting, I, I probably have four different belts for four different guns. I have open belt. I have a PCC belt. I have a carry optics belt. I have a production belt, but I don't need all those things. I could just change my belt every time I needed to, but I didn't, I don't want to, right? I, I mean, I want to change when I want to change. I, without moving any of my gear, I want to just keep everything solid where it is. I don't have to worry about changing this, adding a magnet, not now, obviously that's changed a little bit, but you know, I, 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 my canic, I have a canic that is production only, right? It doesn't, it never takes the iron sights off. I never put a dot on or take a dot off. Uh, I want a production only gun just so I don't ever have to touch it. Um, I mean, it helps that I don't shoot production, uh, at all <laughs> or as much as yeah. possible, um, until next year's nationals. But that's the thing, man. It's just, you know, you're putting your time and effort into the, into the sport and then to not take care of your gear or not be prepped and ready when that gear call comes right or when it's time to go to a match um, like for my struggles man it's been kicking my ass lately and uh, it's frustrating because i've been so busy at work beyond the shooting academy and then i add the shooting academy trying to open the new website and get everything into the forum and all that stuff and then go and practice trying to get ready for nationals and then have gun issues it really pisses me off because yeah, like what you're saying, like, the, but we have enough problems with our own skill sets. Yeah. Now you have preventable things, 100% preventable yeah. issues. So yeah, you, know, you gotta be on top of stuff. That's all preventable before you even get to the match. Yeah. You know? So, so, so one more thing, bro. And then we'll get off here. Cause I don't, I don't even know how long we've been on here. Almost two hours. Well, podcasts go for a while for us. <laughs> Last right. thing. I want to talk a little bit about the logistics of the traveling. Like when it comes to what all you have to do um, for the traveling. And there's a couple of different subjects in this, in this one. So I'm getting ready to start traveling to do classes again. I have a class in Texas that is already sold out. And I have a class that is in South Carolina that has a couple of spots left that are it's at the beginning of september it's september 2nd and 3rd and i had to figure out traveling arrangements so i won't wear a mask that's just me personally i don't care if you wear a mask we're not getting into that conversation but i don't wear a mask so that means i am not a, a, able to fly and i have to drive everywhere so i will be driving to texas and i will be driving to south carolina until they eliminate the mask um, mandates on the plane. So that added some processes to my life <laughs> that an airplane would have solved, but I record my classes for content and for things for my students. So like when my students that come to my classes, I, if I video it and I see things that they don't video, I can go back and go, Hey man, look, this is what we need to work on. Or this is what we did in the class. This is what you missed those kind of things. So it allows me to kind of give a little bit extra back to the students after the class. Right. Uh, which I, you know, to me, I always felt like you should always get more than you pay for. Right. That's big to me as a, as a business owner. So I I've done that as a con contractor and I'm now doing it as a shooting uh, instructor, but 
now, so luckily I've had two of my students, one in South Carolina, one in Texas, allow me to stay with them at their house, which is phenomenal, right? I mean, that is a financial savings in itself, but I'm trying to figure out about a rental car. In case anybody doesn't know, a rental car right now is extremely expensive. Even the little small, no go nowhere cars, like, like a little moped looking car, <laughs> because of COVID, they sold all of their cars. They don't have any cars to rent. <laughs> so I know this because I, have, I know somebody in the business that deals with that. And he was like, they oversold all their cars. So now you can't get a damn rental car for less than almost five or 600 bucks for a week, even for a little car. So now it's like, do I drive my truck or do I spend the extra 500 bucks to travel? I mean, that's basically what a flight would have cost, but I also have to pay for fuel. <laughs> so yeah. it, it just, it just starts adding up and eating up oh, any kind of money you actually made to travel. Right. But where we save our money as, as a group is we split everything as a group. So this is one of the things like I wanted to get into, because I know we talked about it earlier, but we, we didn't really go far enough in. As a group, we usually have 11, 10 or 11 guys, eight guys, whatever it is. I mean, the hardest part about our staying together is getting a house that'll hold all of us, like, and not make anybody sleep on the ground. You're talking for nationals? like we're Yeah, now. for nationals, for, for Georgia last year, for any match we've ever traveled to. It's, it's hard to get a house that's big enough for everybody. And when you do get a house that's big enough for everybody, it's usually so crazy expensive that it almost makes it not worth it that you, you got to get a hotel. <clears throat> excuse me. So when we go through this process, this is just kind of a little tip for you guys that we didn't get, we didn't talk about start finding other shooters that are around that you can put up with that you like <laughs> that you don't want to stab in their sleep or cover their face with their pillow and start talking to them about renting Airbnbs together or uh, staying at hotels together and just getting two separate beds in the same hotel room, whatever it is. You'd be amazed how much cheaper this sport is when you oh, yeah. do it that way. And Airbnb, because, getting a group yeah. together in Airbnb and stuff is, is, is half the fun too, you know? I think it is the fun because honestly, yeah. how long does she, so here's a great example. We've talked about this before and I don't, I don't want to sound, I don't want this to sound like in a cocky way. Cause I don't mean it to, but like a lot of state matches I shoot, I'm shooting less than a minute. <laughs> I mean, I go to matches. And I get a minute of shooting or, or let's just say two minutes of shooting. So I spend thousands of dollars to, you know, an entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to travel, go, you know, do what I do, food, all this stuff. And I do it for two minutes. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're all kind of dumbasses for doing this shit because it's like, where, what are we doing? But that's what it's all about. It's it's with love the sport. I mean, I love this sport, but what makes it even better is when the shooting part is not the best part of it, right? It's just what yeah. brought us all together. And now all we're all friends stuff. outside of shooting. It yeah. just brought us all together. To me, that was the big game changer in this sport was when we started traveling as a team, but even when we're not just a team, but we were all friends before we became a team, right? I mean, we were all hanging out and then we created a team, but hanging out together was where it was like, oh man, we got to do this way more often. That that's what changed it for, for me, I think, and why traveling became the thing to do, right? Because 
now we look forward to those matches. I mean, even hell, even when we go down to the local matches, like, okay, Corral, and we have to get a hotel for the night before for a two day match. Those are still great matches. We all go out so to fun. eat together. I mean, those are, those are all matches that, you know, this is what we do you're, this for. And you're away and you're still away. You're able to concentrate on shooting yeah. all those things. So, yeah. So, all right, brother, I'm going to wrap it up again, guys. I want to thank Craig for coming on. I think we're going to do this on a regular basis. Maybe start doing a couple more of these, uh, in a month and we'll probably make them a little bit shorter. I mean, when we get on here, we get a little crazy on the, uh, on the times, but, uh, if you guys have not heard of the Tom Castro shooting Academy insider circle, I'll make sure I put up a link so you guys can click on that. Check it out. You get two weeks free. Uh, you will learn how to change your mindset. I go a lot into mindset. You'll be doing moving and shooting within your first two weeks and guaranteed you'll be hitting things because of the techniques that I teach break it down Friday where I get in there and I start teaching you guys how to break down stages, how to start actually saving time because of your stage planning, not just teaching you, Hey, run here, run there. I'm teaching you why you're doing something. I think the insider circle is the key for you to get better. If you have any questions, hit me up and I'll see you guys on the range.